This is the CFL 60 podcast on TSN1290.ca. CFL 60 is brought to you by FundingChange.ca. Welcome inside CFL 60. We are live from the Royal Sports Studio here on TSN 1290. What a great cup week it was. The underdogs came away victorious. Toronto 27, Calgary 24. Lots of questions happening in Cowtown right now around the Stampeders as they look towards the offseason and moving forward. So much to get to on the show tonight. I swear we could do two hours here on TSN 1290, but we'll keep it to the show's name, CFL 60. We'll go 110 yards in in 60 minutes, very similar to the way uh, the Toronto Argonauts went 100-plus yards a couple times in Grey Cup 105 to come away victorious. Uh, we'll hear some post-game words with Argonauts General Manager Jim Pop, feature interviews inside the championship locker room with Argo's Vice Chairman Mike Pinball Clemens. Believe me, you don't want to miss this. This guy was in pure emotional elation following the victory on Sunday night. Receiver and Winnipegger, Toronto Argonaut Anthony Coombs. Uh, we'll hear from kicker and former Blue Bomber Liram Hiralahu, as well as Liram's father, as they express their appreciation for the city of Winnipeg. And we'll also hear from some members of the Blue Bombers as they came home with the hardware in the CFL Awards in Ottawa. And we got some interesting news as well from CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. As he also mentioned his hometown of Winnipeg as well. And believe me, there is a whole lot more to get to on the show. A little bit later, right around uh, halfway through the show, Justin Dunk of Three Down Nation will pop by. Uh, we'll talk about Grey Cup Week. And really, nobody better to talk to about the CFL offseason upcoming. Expected to be a very busy winter from coast to coast. So we wonder just where some of these big-name CFL quarterbacks may land in 2018. But Grey Cup Week. Grey Cup 105. In Ottawa, Canada 150, the 105th Grey Cup, truly, it hit on all marks. I was there with Rick Ralph, Andrew Hustler-Patterson. We did shows the afternoon ride here on TSN 1290 uh, through the latter part of the week. The city was electric. There was just great energy everywhere you went. It was well organized. Big shout out and tip of the hat to um, Olivier Poulain, uh, Lucas Barrett, the entire communications team and uh, marketing team of the, of the CFL. They did a fantastic job. And then along came Sunday and the snow began to fall. It set a beautiful, beautiful scene of Canadiana at a sold out TD place following an energetic week of festivities in our nation's capital. The favorites came out strong and methodical. The Calgary Stampeders started to march the field, put up uh, you know, some scores, and uh, really looked like they were going to come away with the victory. The weather was sloppy. It took teams time to find their footing. Devere Posey with a 100-yard touchdown catch, the longest in Grey Cup history. Not a lot of turnovers in this game, and really it was a roller coaster of emotions throughout. Let's hear from the voice of Sports in Canada who had the call live coast-to-coast on TSN, Chris Cuthbert. Jake Hart with the snap. Hiralahu eyes it. Fajardo takes it. The hole, the kick. It's up. It's good! It's good! And the Toronto Argonauts are 49 seconds away from winning Gray. Second and five. Mitchell, shotgun, has the ball, fires, deep ball, looks in zone for Michelle. Picked off, it's picked off. Matt Black has the football. And the Toronto Argonauts are going to win the Grey Cup. Well, my mistake. That was the radio call. Winnipegger, 
a native Winnipegger, Rod Black on the call. You heard that live here on TSN 1290 and across the TSN radio network. The first half was kind of crazy. Uh, a field goal. Uh, late in that first half, uh, led it to a, a 17-8 Calgary lead at halftime. You could really see the Calgary Stampeders keying in on James Wilder Jr., who was named uh, the CFL's most outstanding rookie in 2017. Five carries, seven yards rushing, no receptions. And there was Jerome Messam, who didn't look so good in Week 20 against the Blue Bombers. At the half, nine carries, 52 yards. He was averaging almost six yards a carry and a touchdown. And eventually he was named uh, the game's most outstanding Canadian with 68 combined yards and two touchdowns. Then we went into the half. Shania Twain was fantastic. Loved the dog sled entrance, or what I heard one person describe as a Canadian limousine. And then into the second half we came. And out came the Toronto Argonauts. First drive of the second half, a huge play by Charleston Hughes to break up what would be a touchdown pass from Ricky Ray, but Wilder eventually scored on the next play, eight plays, a drive lasting over four minutes to open the half, and suddenly it was a one-point ball game, 17-16 Calgary. And then the Stampeders, well, they responded so strongly. Nine plays, 88 yards, Messam punches in his second touchdown of the game, this one a receiving touchdown, and the Stampeders go up by eight. Well, they were just one score away from making it a two-score game. And then, well, we were waiting for it. We knew it was bound to happen eventually. A turnover. 109-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown by Cassius Vaughn, plus the two-point convert. That tied the game with roughly five minutes left. Uh, and the Argos uh, eventually got the ball back. in the former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, Liram Hiralahu, made a 32-yard field goal to take the lead. And then Bo Levi Mitchell, with less than a minute remaining and the ball in his hands. And believe me, I was talking to players inside that Argonauts locker room as they celebrated with champagne and loud music and pure elation. And they said, man, Bo's got the ball with a minute left. Nobody was expecting what happened next. But there they were, on the doorstep, down by three, and Bo rolls the dice, throws the ball up, Mark and Michelle, double coverage, and Matt Black, the Canadian, picks it off and seals the game. A fantastic, a great game, an excellent football game to cap a fantastic week in Ottawa. And what did we learn? Anybody can win in the snow. And going into this game, nobody gave the Toronto Argonauts a chance. Yeah, sure, some people picked them. Some people thought Ricky Ray could ride off into the sunset with a fourth Grey Cup championship. By the way, no other quarterback has done that in the history of the CFL. He now has four rings as the starting quarterback of the Grey Cup championship team. But let's consider for a second how much upheaval there was in Toronto just eight, nine, ten months ago in March. Fired the general manager. Head coach leaves for the National Football League. And they had to start from scratch. Toronto won seven of their last nine games. Five of their last seven to finish the regular season. They arguably came into this game the hottest team out of the two. And frankly, maybe in the entire Canadian Football League. Toronto in that game had one play. And then one drive. And then one more big play to win the game. Jerome Messam, who you heard Rod Black call it. Well, he dubbed him the Brampton Bus. He was named the Grey Cup's most outstanding Canadian, as I mentioned, 68 combined yards and two touchdowns. Devere Posey named the Grey Cup most outstanding player, seven catches, 175 yards, and the touchdown. The Toronto Argonauts had their parade in Toronto earlier on Tuesday. 
We'll hear from that in a second. We're also going to hear from uh, really uh, an amazing crew of, uh, of of different individuals throughout Grey Cup week. Uh, we'll hear from Randy Ambrosi. We'll mention Jim Pop. Solomon Elamimian had some words on uh, what he sees in the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We'll hear from the two award winners with Winnipeg. Stanley Bryant, named the most outstanding offensive lineman in the CFL. And Andrew Harris, who came away with his first most outstanding Canadian award following the 2017 season. My conversations following the game with Liram Hyralahu and Anthony Coombs. Mike Pinball Clemens, and then the commissioner, Randy Ambrosi, as well as TSN's Dave Naylor. Some words as we discuss and look forward to what may come in the future in the Canadian Football League. My name is Darren Bombing. This is CFL 60. We are live inside the Royal Sports Studio on your home of sports in Winnipeg, TSN 1290. Now back to CFL 60, brought to you by FundingChange.ca. Here's your host, Darren Bombing, on TSN 1290 and TSN 1290.ca. What do you think you want the balls on the ground? Score, man. Get the ball and score. Like, no matter what, no one was out there faster than me. And I knew my teammates would be out there with me just to, we was going to make it happen together. This was the complete defensive effort. It wasn't just me. I just made the play at the right time, but it wasn't just me. It was a team. It was months, months, and days of 180 days of just grinding in a training room and practice and being away from your family. All, all that balled up in one moment. Cassius Vaughn. Argonauts linebacker with the scoop and score of 100-plus yards to get Toronto right back into that football game. What an entertaining Grey Cup 105 it was. Welcome back inside CFL 60 on TSN 1290. Uh, just listening to the reaction of players and, and coaches uh, following that game, the uh, just the sense of accomplishment they had in what they were able to do in such a short period of time. Let's hear from general manager Jim Pop, who really orchestrated everything. Yes, Mark Tressman, of course, Ricky Ray, and so many more contributors on that Toronto Argonauts roster, but the man who put it all together, Jim Pop, and I asked him of what was the glue, what brought everything together so quickly. It's just showing them we brought a championship to the city. I hope we have another one next week with the TFC and, and on and on. Okay, we, we want to have championships in our city. It, this, is, this is the start of it. We've had them before. We know that in Toronto, but uh, we're, we're going to get better. This team's going to get better. First you got how it. does that compare for you? Holy, oh, my gosh. You know, they're all great. I can't compare them. I mean, I, I'm believe me, this is my 11th Grey Cup, and it's, and it's the fifth win. And they don't come easy. You know, you get to this game, it's a 50-50 shot. And uh, this week is totally different than any other week. You just don't know how your team's going to react. And uh, I'm glad for our league, for these fans that came out and supported us. This was phenomenal having this snow. Uh, this is the type of game that we want in these championships. And, of course, when you're on your winning end, it makes a big difference. <laughs> My gosh, you know, you got to believe in miracles. you got to believe in uh, God or who, what you believe in and, and, and things just happen for us. This, this was a, this was a, a storybook uh, season. This is, this is for a book. This was unbelievable. We, we, we had a great time. This, this group of guys, our whole, our whole organization, ticket office selling, uh, we're a close group, really close group, and uh, they, they work hard, and you know what? It paid off. Jim, who is the glue of this team to 
for everything to come together so quickly. The Blues the team. The Blues the team. You know, it obviously Coach Stressman corrals him unbelievable. He coaches coaches. He coaches players. We're about life. We're, we're about family. We're about uh, teaching life. And football is an avenue of that. It's a format. And trying to do the right thing and believe in one another and work together. And it paid off. How was that fostered so quickly? We had a great group of people. I just all I can, I don't know how to I explain it. It just came together. We got the right group of people in the room. It's really good. What can you say more about Ricky that hasn't been said? I mean, what he not so much me what he did this game, Man, but what look, he's done all year. He, he, you know, Ricky is so calm. It gives it gives you total belief you're going to win. All the players, uh, you know, they they corral behind him. He works as hard as anybody. I mean, that's what people don't see. He's so quiet. He doesn't talk, but he works hard. I mean, he spends hours upon hours studying the game. And, man, does he, you know, he'll sit in that pocket and take shots. But he doesn't ever get rattled. That's the thing. So he gives you a chance to the very end. That's that's the thing about him. When he you, never gets rattled. When do you start talking about him for next year? We're going to celebrate, and I hope for about a two weeks, man. And, I, and then we'll start talking about other stuff. For now, we're going to party for two so, weeks. So we're coming back to Toronto to party. That's what we're going to do. the whole Ricky thing away for yeah. two weeks. Oh, it is. I'm not, you know what? He needs He needs to take a step back. Enjoy itself with his family. Take a month off. I know he's coming back. I mean, he's had too good a year. But uh, every person is that stage of their career it needs to do that. We'll talk someday. General Manager Jim Pop saying they'll talk someday. He does expect Ricky Ray to come back. Well, someday was less than 48 hours as the Toronto Argonauts celebrated with a parade in downtown Toronto. And the crowd began chanting one more year. And Ricky Ray responded. Why not two, huh? This team was built. It was built in nine months. It was built brick by brick with a bunch of people on their knees working day to day to put those bricks together. We had a vision from the beginning, and that was to arrive right here. It was on the calendar, right? It was on the calendar. We We started in day one 185 days ago. And we expected this moment to arrive, and it happened because of the men that are standing uh, behind me. 38-year-old Ricky Ray saying to the crowd, chanting one more year, why not two? Well, why not? You have a Cinderella-like season where your team got better and better every single week. Maybe it's rejuvenated Ricky Ray. He had a healthy and prosperous 2017 What to come in 2018, we will have to see. I also had a chance to catch up with the Winnipegger, former Manitoba Bison, Anthony Coombs, a first-round draft pick by the Toronto Argonauts four years ago by former general manager Jim Barker, trading up to get the Manitoba Bison running back, converting him to slot back as he is an absolute uh, uh, Swiss Army knife on the football field, had a huge performance in the East Final in their win over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And inside the locker room with his mother and his girlfriend right there, you can hear the emotion in his voice. Here is Anthony Coombs. Anthony Coombs, Grey Cup champion in 2017. You're here with your mom, your girlfriend. This has to feel pretty damn good. It feels amazing. Words can't describe it. It's it's surreal. Like The, the moment doesn't feel real. You need time to let it soak in, but... I'm just so happy. I'm so proud of this team. 
Is it the moments you dream of when you're a kid playing football in St. James in West Winnipeg? Absolutely. Um, I grew up in Winnipeg, so I always watch the Bombers. They never won a great cup when I was a fan. So um, become, being a player playing in the game, uh, actually holding the cup in surreal, being a Canadian kid, um, uh, words, like I said, words can't describe it. it. It is a dream come true. You ever been involved in a game that was that wild where you really didn't know what was going to happen next? No, I mean... We warm up, and then we go back in. We come out, and it's a complete blizzard. I see uh, uh, things that look like uh, uh, street cleaners clearing the field, and it was just unpredictable. I mean, nobody could have prepared us for that type of game, but um, we responded well, and we came out with uh, a win. It, it was unbelievable. You changed the footwear at halftime? No, I didn't. I, I was sticking with my shoes, but a lot of my teammates wore those ugly Nikes that they all uh, picked up. I couldn't do it, though. What was the message from Coach Tressman at the half? Just relax, play our game, and, uh, you know, try to execute. We felt like we were just not doing what we were supposed to be doing. It was tough with the snow. Our whole, our whole game plan changed. They were stopping James with the run, so we just need to be patient. But fortunately, uh, when we needed a drive, Ricky delivered, the offense delivered, and it's, it's awesome. Obviously a lot of energy inside this room right now, but day-to-day, yeah. -day, you're Monday to Friday, there's a lot of energy in this room. But yes. you have a quarterback in Ricky Ray, a head coach in Mark Tressman, yes. that are almost the epitome of calm, cool, and collective. Yes. Does that bring it all together? Absolutely. I'll tell you right now, I didn't manage my energy good throughout the week. I was exhausted yeah. from just the, the Great Cup week. Not really uh, uh, experienced it before. So um, when, when we got to game day, it's really good to have guys that have been there so many times who have been successful. Um, you know, Trestman's Trestman. He, he already booked, he booked, he had the parade booked uh, on training camp. The man, the man knows where he's going. Nobody was expecting this from you guys, but you had the belief the whole time. Yeah, I mean, this is the CFL, like 57 plus 3. That's what we always say. We thought if we could get him in the fourth quarter and we could still be in the game, you know, we can make a run. What's 57 plus 3? So the, the game is 60 minutes, but the last three minutes is like everything. So you can play 57 minutes, but the last three is everything, and that's been our team philosophy from start from day one. And there was Bo Levi Mitchell with three minutes left and the ball in his hands. Yes, and, and you know, he didn't get it done. All, all credit to him. You know, he's, a, he's an amazing player, great quarterback, but, you know, uh, we, we made a play when we needed it, and, and we're champions. Anthony, congratulations. Enjoy this with your friends and family, and we'll see you back in Winnipeg soon. Thank you so much, Darren. Anthony Coombs, Grey Cup champion, Winnipegger. What a path he has taken uh, from humble beginnings in St. James here in the city of Winnipeg. 57 plus 3. 57 minutes of football, 3 at the end, and he says that was the message from day 1. And on day 0, at the end of the season in Grey Cup 105, that's exactly the story that was told. And the man who kicked the game-winning field goal, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, another man who came from even humbler beginnings as uh, an immigrant here in Canada, Liram Hairalahu. My conversation with him as well as his father. Liram Hairalahu, Grey Cup champion, kicking field goals when in, uh, the game was on the line. How does that feel? You know, <clears throat> I'm very thankful for my holder, my long snap for putting all that time in and preparing if, uh, you know, for that kick. And really, they did all the work, and I just put my foot through it. You know, the offense moved the ball well. Defense played amazing, and uh, I'm just so thankful of our whole team that we're able to come through this. Liram, it was really one of those games where you didn't know what the kicking game was going to bring because of the snow dumping so early and, and footing being questionable. What you know, what went into your preparation? 
You know, uh, I was just getting ready. Uh, I knew that we would uh, we need a kick to win it. I knew I kind of visualized it, getting ready um, for the kick. And, you know, I ran it through my head quite a few times. So when I got out there, it was kind of, you know, I've already played in my head many, many times. So it's just a matter of doing it. You came from really humble beginnings. Yeah. What does it mean to be a Great Cup champion? Oh, I'm just so thankful of, like, all these opportunities to be a part of this team. And, you know, I'm just so happy of these guys, the way that they persevered through a long, long season. Uh, when everyone doubted us, we came together. And uh, I'm just so grateful of this moment. And, you know, I, we call a Great Cup champion now. Yeah. Yeah. What really took me is that when you won, you lifted the cup. You had a lot of friends, family, yeah. people important to you here. Yeah. It must mean a little bit more because you get to share it with them. No, absolutely. This means so much to them as much as me because, you know, they sacrifice just as much as I do. Uh, come to every game, um, putting everything on hold just for us and just letting me focus and let me do what I do. And um, so I owe a lot of thanks and gratitude to them as well. You're in a unique position as a specialist mm -hmm. on a football team. What's going through the minds of your teammates? What's the mentality on the sideline as that game progresses? You know, my team and I, you know, we had a great uh, game plan and we executed to perfection. Um, I think we, we shut down uh, Roy Finch, special team player of the year. That was our main, main thing. Uh, field goals and everything else, we knew uh, we were good to go on those. What was the message from Coach Tressman at halftime? You know, special teams were playing well. Um, offense just needed to pick it up a little bit. Defense was playing great. And we just put it to us that we need to get it up one more notch for every every side of the ball and we all did that and the you know, offense played amazing second half you know came out with a uh, touchdown drive and that's what we needed you told me earlier this week there's still a lot of people back in winnipeg that yeah. you're close with and that you care about do you have a message for them i love you, you. Know, <laughs> i love you all i have a lot of uh, family and friends there and uh you know i'm just so grateful of this opportunity um i wish it would have been you know i had the opportunity with the bombers as well but you know this is how the cfl works and uh, i'm just grateful uh happened and I know they have a great uh, they have a great team ahead he's got unfortunate uh, injuries this past season and I know they're going to be in the great cup within, uh, within the next year or so is this your father is my father how do you feel oh man great <laughs> great unbelievable <laughs> we are very very happy we support him every game everywhere where he's gone you must be proud I am proud I am proud of him everybody's proud of him <laughs> and I know that he can make it <laughs> Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. Guys. Thank you. Liram Hairalahu and his father. How could you not be a fan of this man? Escaped war-torn Kosovo at the age of eight years. Moved to Simcoe in St. Uh, uh, Catharines, Ontario. Started playing football in grade 10. And there he was just three years ago, an undrafted free agent. And earlier in the week, as I alluded to in that conversation with him after the Grey Cup Championship... Of the opportunity that general manager Kyle Walters and head coach Mike O'Shea here in Winnipeg gave him, how he's still so thankful for that opportunity in professional football and the support and friends and, and family that he still has here in Winnipeg. There must have been a dozen people on the field taking his picture, watching him hoist the cup up on the stage, on the field surface at TD Place. Uh, it was just a beautiful scene, and, and his father, so proud, uh, was so uh, elated in that moment. He even, you know, he even kissed me on the face uh, after uh, that conversation. Just so thankful of the opportunities here in Winnipeg and in Canada, and uh, just happy for the Hyrule family uh, really from top to bottom uh, when we come back here on CFL 60 still a lot more to come we're going to hear from some Blue Bombers players following uh, their very um, uh, awarding 
CFL Awards uh, earlier in the week at uh, Grey Cup Week in Ottawa. And Justin Dunk will join us next. It's CFL 60. My name is Darren Bombing. We are live on TSN 1290. You're listening to CFL 60, brought to you by FundingChange.ca on TSN 1290 and TSN1290.ca. Welcome back inside CFL 60. You are listening live on your home of sports in Winnipeg, TSN 1290. Pleased to welcome in our next guest, making his Winnipeg radio debut, Justin Dunk of 3downnation.com. Dunk, what's going on, man? I'm doing well, Bombers. Just jacked up to be on with you, buddy. I heard you're grinning ear to ear. Yeah, absolutely. I've been looking forward to this conversation. You and I spent some time together at Grey Cup Week. I wanted yeah, to say... Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. You may be the most violent man in the Canadian Football League. Why? Players included, you are always breaking things. That's why we wanted you on the show today. <laughs> I wondered where you were going with that. <laughs> well, yeah, quarterback. How many, how many times do they say a quarterback is the most violent man? <laughs> but you are, <laughs> but you are, and we look ahead to to uh, the CFL offseason. Lots of questions in in many different markets. But before we get into that, let's talk about Grey Cup Week, Grey Cup One Hundred Five, a thrilling game. You called it. You and I were joking with each other at halftime. What's it going to take for Toronto to get back into the football game? And it was really, in my eyes, a game of uh, you know methodical, uh, consistent production from the Calgary Stampeders, and then. Wiley, Ricky Ray, and the Toronto Argonauts, in particular their defense, making big plays when it mattered most. Certainly the Cassius Vaughn fumble return touchdown was going to stick out in people's minds, but I really felt like the tide in that game turned when the Argos came out on their first drive in the second half and started throwing the ball on first down. They had tried to run James Wilder Jr. numerous times on first down in the first half, but Devon Claybrooks' Calgary defense had shut that right down. That left Toronto in second and long situations far too often in the first half. And yes, they came up with that big touchdown to Devere Posey for 100 yards, but there wasn't any sustained offensive success. When Ricky Ray came out and started throwing it on first down, a little bit off play action as well, I feel like that's what helped turn the tide for the Argos. Ricky Ray, is it over for him? He hinted uh, earlier today at the parade in, in downtown Toronto. They were chanting one more year. He says, why not two? The, following the type of season he had, the rejuvenation under Mark Tressman and his offense, will Ricky come back? How much more gas is left in the tank? Oh, it's so hard to say, right? You have to get in Ricky's head because even he doesn't know. He's been asked numerous times in the past few days about his football playing future. He essentially said, you know, I'm going to go celebrate, which means drink some beers, enjoy the Grey Cup, and make a decision later. What I can tell you is that the Argos do want to get better at the quarterback position, so they're going to evaluate the entire season of play from Ricky Ray, see what might be out there in terms of quarterbacks who could come available through free agency, or everyone seems to be pointing at Zach Caleros possibly coming to Toronto, and really get a sense of what is the best quarterback possibility for them going forward, Ray or otherwise. Justin Dunk joining us live on CFL 60 here on your home of sports in Winnipeg, TSN 1290. I was going to ask you about the Calgary Stampeders. We'll push that back. Let's talk quarterbacks as you brought it up. You have Trevor Harris. You have James Franklin. You have Brandon Bridge, Johnny Manziel. You mentioned Zach Caleros. So many starting caliber quarterbacks. Do you remember a time there was this many moving pieces at the quarterback position in the CFL? And really, what's the first domino to fall? 
Yeah, I'm just a young buck, so I really can't. I'm and, with you, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? It's it been only a few years since you know we've been coming in this league indefinitely and you're longer than me. So I don't think that this type of quarterback movement has ever been possible. The first domino to fall, man, is going to be really interesting. I look at Brandon Bridge out in Saskatchewan, and does he re-sign with the Riders? There's contract negotiations been going on with those two sides. And if he returns, I don't think that that spells the end of the possibility of James Franklin going to Saskatchewan, but I think it hinders it if you just look at their quarterback situation, right? They still have Kevin Glenn and Vernon Adams under contract for the 2018 season, and if they sign Bridge, it could be for 2018 and maybe beyond. So I think that could be the first domino that happens, and then you really start to look at, well, where does James Franklin end up? One of the possibilities... I feel like could realistically happen is somehow he ends up in Montreal. Daring Durant has a sizable bonus due in January. Mm-hmm. So the Alouettes are going to have to make a decision on him before we even get close to free agency. Because if you pay Durant this kind of a bonus, and it is pretty substantial, you're essentially saying he's your starter. So I don't think that they're going to get to that point where I actually give him that kind of money. So to me, it would sort of say that you know Franklin could be a possibility in Montreal. That said, some other teams are going to have a look at him as well. Still to be determined what's going to happen in Toronto, even though it seems like they want to have Ricky Ray back. And I think the one outlier in all this, and the one name you didn't mention, is Travis Lule. Yes, he's going to yeah. be coming back off an ACL, but he still wants to play. And with what he showed last season, he can still be a starter in the CFL. The, what I wonder is is James Franklin and Brandon Bridge. I see those two as as almost uh, you know there, there's a dichotomy there between them. A lot of similarities and, and where they might land. I wonder why would Edmonton want to trade James Franklin to the Saskatchewan Roughriders? Both of those teams, I think you would agree with me, are on the uptick as far as their progression in building a winning team uh, and a Grey Cup championship again. Uh, and and the debate you and I and, and many others got into at Grey Cup Week was the value of Brandon Bridge, and if it's a lower money do- uh, a lower dollar figure, that gives you a lot of freedom to add pieces around him, weapons at his disposal. It really does, and Brandon Bridge has played more meaningful football more lately than James Franklin has. We've seen James right. James Franklin start some games, but that really was you know a year or two ago when Mike Riley was nicked up a little bit. Brandon Bridge started and won a game in Hamilton, led a comeback in the regular season in Toronto when he entered the game from 13 points down. He got in in the East Final, almost led them back and got them to the Grey Cup. Can you imagine just how much differently people would be viewing Brandon Bridge if, let's say, Ricky Ray doesn't complete that third and five pass? Brandon Bridge would be talked about as being the next franchise quarterback in the league, which I should think should already be happening. So, to me, as you said, the dichotomy is interesting in those two, and I think you're bang on that why would the Edmonton Eskimos want to trade the rights to James Franklin to Saskatchewan, a division rival who could potentially come to town you know, once or twice a year right. and shred your team apart instead of maybe, if you're going to trade his rights, trading them east. 
You love the Canadian quarterbacks. Unapologetic. I love it. Justin Dunk joining <laughs> us live on CFL 60 here on TSN 1290. Let's shift our focus over to Calgary. Back-to-back seasons of being, uh, you know, the ugly stepsister at the ball. And uh, that's losing the Grey Cup game, of course. How much retooling will the Calgary Stampeders do when you have so many impactful players getting to that you know, magic number age of 30, Markway McDaniel, Charleston Hughes, Dan Federkow, Brandon Smith, Jerome Messam, Micah Johnson, so many guys that are getting a little bit older. Uh, when does John Huffnagel make the decision to say, this isn't working, let's try something different? Well, likely it's going to be a player-by-player scenario in terms of evaluating all of those pieces. Indications that I've gotten that Jerome Messam most likely won't be back with that team, at least at the dollar amount. And if we look at what Terry Williams did this year, that's an easy transition for them to make, and they have a surplus of starting caliber Canadians that they can roll out there. So it would sort of surprise me if Messam, who's a pending free agent, is back in Calgary for those couple of reasons. And you mentioned some of the older guys, but some of the younger guys that are talented on that team are going to get NFL opportunities too. Devaris Daniels and Roy Finch, Siante Evans, an all-star corner as well, are going to get looks down south. So those pieces could be gone as well as long as with some of the aging veterans. And especially look at that secondary, and you mentioned on the defense, Jamar Wall is a pending free agent. Brandon Smith, I believe, is in a similar situation. They do have some younger talent on that team that they like. And the front seven, for the most part, is pretty young, right? You look at Alex Singleton, he's obviously just going in his third year in the CFL. Shaq Richardson burst on the, onto the scene. Thurman at weak side linebacker was an absolute stud as a rookie. James Vodders was great. Opposite Hughes, like a Johnson, I still feel like has a lot of mileage to go on his tires. So they do have some younger pieces. The one area where they need to get better and younger is on the offensive line. And it, you almost got the sense that Dan Federkyle, who started a right tackle for them, a Canadian starter, more importantly, might be getting close to calling it quits when you listen to him talk today at Locker Cleanout. So you're right. A lot of pieces there that could change, but the core, as long as you still have Bo Levi Mitchell, is going to be pretty darn good for the Stamps. Justin Dunk, 3downnation.com, joining us live on CFL 60 here on TSN 1290. You mentioned some of those Calgary Stampeders free agents. Now we're into that season, early December into January, and then, of course, free agency opening in February. Here in Winnipeg, a lot of work to do for general manager Kyle Walters. You've got Stanley Bryant, named the league's most outstanding offensive lineman. They've signed Hardrick and Newfeld, but Travis Bond is still a free agent. Weston Dressler, a lot of questions about depth in the receiving court. Timothy Flanders, then on defense. Impact players, Chris Randall, Mo Leggett, TJ Heath, Jamal Westerman, Ian Wild in another thin position group at linebacker. And then, of course, the big money name, Justin Medlock, the league's leading scorer this season. Where does Winnipeg start? And maybe more importantly, or more uh, pointed to what fans here in Winnipeg are wondering, can they sign all of these players and still add to some of those areas that they need? That's, That's a tough question. I feel like where do they start? has already happened, right? They re-signed Patrick Neufeld um, and Jamarcus Hardrick, who was you know, stalwart at right tackle, a West All-Star for them. The signing of Neufeld, to me, makes it seem like, especially for the kind of money that he got, that he's going to be a starter and that they go with three Canadian stars on the offensive line and maybe Travis Bond isn't back just for the simple fact of not wanting to pay an American 
sort of elite offensive line money who's going to play left guard, right? He's not going to play tackle for you ever. And right. maybe that's where some of the money savings comes from to give Stanley Bryant a bit of a raise that he's going to want to get. He was in the upper echelon in terms of salary in the league for left tackles, around 170, 180,000 in 2017. But as you said, winning that most outstanding Lyman award, he's going to want a little more than that. So you bump him up, hopefully keep him to solidify that offensive line. That's really been the key to this entire team's turnaround. And yes, the defense has been good, but the O-line needs to stay intact. I feel like what they are hoping to have happen at receiver is find some Americans that they can rely on. And there might be already a couple guys there in Chris Givens and Ryan Lankford who sort of shown flashes more Lankford, obviously, than Givens. But look at those couple that can be some cheaper options in that corner that have already had some time with Matt Nichols. And you mentioned all the pieces on defense. They're interesting what might go on there because you've had that short side, boundary side of the field that was essentially locked down with Chris Randall and TJ Heath. Mm -hmm. But Heath is coming off his rookie deal. He's going to want a bunch of more money. And Chris Randall is coming off an all-star season and won their most outstanding defensive player award. So he's going to want to bump two. And I find it hard-pressed to see them having all the money to be able to pay Randall, Heath, Wild, Westerman, as you said. And Mo Leggett, maybe right? There's an, and Mo Leggett, too, right? And he's going to be out with the Achilles. So I would imagine there will be a little bit of a change there on defense at a couple of those spots. I think Justin Medlock still remains that kind of linchpin. You either pay him and you're solidified at that position or you got to go find somebody. That can be a roll of the dice, and it's, it's burnt the Blue Bombers in the past. Dunk, always appreciate the time. Thanks, my man. People can follow you on Twitter, at jdunk12. Always great talking to you, man. We'll see you here in Winnipeg for CFL Week, I presume? You got it, buddy. Beautiful. We'll talk to you then. Thanks, Justin. Be well. Justin Dunk, a 3 downnationcom joining us on the program. It's going to be a real fun offseason, both here in Winnipeg and across the CFL. Where will all these quarterbacks land? Will Winnipeg be able to add impactful pieces while still retaining some of that real game-breaking talent that they have in all three phases of the game? When we come back, we'll go back to Ottawa. Some of my conversations with other players in the Canadian Football League, including a former MOP as he comments on playing against Andrew Harris and why he thinks the Blue Bombers have turned the corner and are a successful franchise once again. My name is Darren Bombing. You're listening to CFL 60. We are live on TSN 1290. This is CFL 60, brought to you by FundingChange.ca on TSN 1290 and TSN1290.ca. Welcome back inside CFL 60. We are live on your home of sports in Winnipeg, TSN 1290. Some great conversations earlier in the program. Justin Dunk, a three-down nation, looking back on the CFL uh, season and towards the offseason, as well as post-game reaction from Jim Pop, as well as Anthony Coombs and Liram Hyralahu, two individuals with connections right here in Winnipeg. But earlier in the week in Ottawa, Grey Cup 105, or ahead of Grey Cup 105, it was time, as always, the annual CFL Awards. And two Blue Bombers were up for awards this year, including Stanley Bryant coming out of the West for Most Outstanding Offensive Lineman, and Andrew Harris, the league's leading rusher. He also led the league and set a record as a tailback with 105 receptions. And he was named, for the first time in his 10-year CFL career, the league's most outstanding Canadian. Your journey 
is a, is a, a crazy one, and one you did, you know, obviously with the help of others, but lucky with yourself. What does it mean to you to kind of win this and have your name on that award? Yeah, it's a, it's a great accomplishment for sure. And, I mean, just talk about the consistency and, and the will to want to keep coming back and, you know, through all the adversity and, and you know, the ups and downs. And, I mean, for me, it, I wouldn't imagine this. In my, you know, you, you dream about these things, but you never never know you're going to achieve it or think you're going to achieve it. And it's just a testament to, to sticking through, you know, just to, to doing what got you there and, and giving those opportunities and, um, and and just hard work. I mean, that's 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 the biggest tribute. So, I mean, that's the that's the one thing that I, I can honestly say that I consistently do is put in that work and and, and come to work every day. And um, I mean, I might not be the, the biggest, fastest, strongest um, person or you know have the best pedigree, but there's that consistency that you know I'm gonna come come to work and and uh, and grind it out and. And you know, and also just the heart. I mean, I, I feel like I got a lot of heart, and, and that's that's probably what that the, the most the most biggest characteristic that I have, and what I bring to a team and to uh, my peers as my teammates. So, um, yeah, that's that's basically it. Uh, a lot of your opponents said there's something. I mean, you you've established yourself in this league, but it was something about this season in particular that you know a lot of guys who didn't even know you, Bearwoods, other other guys that don't know you on a personal level, were talking about you running with a purpose this year. That this year was different than even all your other years, even though you were you know you've won awards and been a, you know all stars in previous years. What was it about this season that went so well? I honestly think it it, it was Winnipeg. I mean, being being home and and playing in front of my family and friends and. And, and the city and, and investors group field and just just everything. I mean, uh, everything involving around being around Winnipeg is, is definitely been a contributor to that. Um, and and the guys in that locker room. I mean, uh, those those guys are my brothers. And I mean, when when you have guys that you genuinely care about, you know about their families, you you know they they're your friends off the field. That, that actual genuine friends. I mean, that, that that makes a big difference when you go out there and you're, you're you know on that battlefield and. Um, you know, you'll, you'll do anything for them. And, I mean, that's, that's, that's to me, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, I play the way I do and, and definitely one of the reasons why my, my play is elevated to, to, you know, for people to be noticing that. But, uh, I mean, it's just an attitude and a mentality and a mindset, and Winnipeg as a whole um, is contributing to that. You mentioned the hard work and, and the desire maybe in lieu of the pedigree is the word you used in, in describing, you know, physical abilities and talent and those sorts of things. But do you think that's maybe why now in year eight in the Canadian Football League you're as explosive as you are as, you know, being able to put up the dominant performances that you do? Absolutely. I, I think you grow as an athlete. I mean, you get better every year, you know, no matter how, like, having the wisdom and, and understanding that your teammates and the guys you're going against, or not teammates, the, the opposition, and 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 seeing all the looks, and you know, at this point in my career, there's there's not there's not too much I haven't seen, and 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 that definitely helps on the field, and and getting you that that the little edge, and I mean that little edge is, is is a huge contributor to to being successful, and um, you know, learning how to be a pro as well. I mean, there's a lot of wasted energy when you're younger, um, doing things that you don't need to be doing, or you know, focusing on the wrong things, and. Um, you know, as you get older, you mature and, and you realize, you know, how to do things the right way. And, and you know, I've definitely hit hit that stride. Uh, and you know, people still ask me how many more years I got, and I really don't even, I don't see the end near at all. So, I mean, just staying healthy and and, and doing all the right things off the field. I mean, I, I I don't I don't see I can't even tell you when when that that end is, end is going to be. So for me, I'm just embracing that right now and enjoying it. And I mean, this award is great. I mean, I'm happy for Stanley as well, but. We want to win a great cup, and that's that's 
that's what it's all about. I mean, this, this, all this stuff, that's what we work for. And I mean, this is a rep- representation of all the hard we could put in and, and the guys around me, but that's the ultimate goal. And that's what I'm playing for. You mentioned the Great Cup being that ultimate goal. All season, or into the latter parts of the season, you were chasing something that had never been done before in 1,000 rushing and 1,000 receiving. You led the league in rushing. You led the league in receptions. Can, does this award essentially serve as uh, you know, a, a reminder of the type of season you had, even though you didn't do something that had never been done before? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's something I'm, I'm still going to have a goal for, for next year. As in, I mean, that's something I want to keep chasing. And I felt like, you know, there was, there was a handful of plays out there that I left out in the field that, I mean... A drop here, and you know, you know, a breakdown in, in in how I ran a certain route. I mean, those are all little things, little details that you know, accumulation of those things you you, you fall short on. So, I mean, that's still a goal of mine, and that's something I'm going to you know come back next year and try to chase as well. And um, but again, all that stuff aside, those are personal things that are going to help you know make this team a better team and and help to help the offense be explosive and, and consistent and and accumulate yardage and, and, and score touchdowns. And you know, I, I feel like me 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 doing those things. Um, you know, on the field, and and you know what I do behind 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 the scenes, and with the guys in the off season is is is, is contributing to those things as well. You know, people talk about luck and opportunity in sports, but like you said it earlier, this is a testament to the work you put in, right? Because there was no luck involved in this for you. The the harder you work, the luckier you're going to be, and that's that's the only way to put it. I mean, you put that work in, you grind. Um, the luckier you're going to be in, in life and in, in sports and in anything. I mean, you put that work in, and you know things are going to the right things are going to come your way. And um, I mean, if you're you're going to wait and make excuses and and sit back, I mean that's you know that's not going to get you anywhere. I mean, the lucky, the harder you work, 100, percent the luckier you're, you're going to be. That's Andrew Harris catching up with myself, Jeff Hamilton, and Ed Tate at the CFL Awards. The other Blue Bombers Award winner named the CFL's most outstanding offensive lineman. Here with Stanley Bryant, fresh off being named 2017 Most Outstanding Offensive Lineman in the Canadian Football League. The suit game is tight, yeah. Stanley. You're looking good. I imagine you're feeling good right now. You thanked your family. You thanked your teammates. I'm curious what this award means to you personally. Um, it means a lot. I'm just, just one of those things that I've always thought about for my whole career. Um, I, had the, I won a great cup in 14. I've been an all-star a few times. So I felt like... Um, Winning this war will, will kind of be a good thing to add to my career and my accomplishments, and I'm just happy I won it. When you came to Winnipeg, this team was in a little bit of disarray. It was a completely different uh, team, frankly, than it is as it stands today going into the 2018 season. You are a free agent. How much desire do you have to come back to Winnipeg and, and finish what you started? Uh, I have a, a, a great desire because 15 was was rough for me personally, mm-hmm. I mean, and just for the team in general because uh, – I don't. I didn't play as well. Fifteen and things just weren't going well. Sixteen, we got better. Um, this year, we we got even better, but things came short because we lost in the playoffs. So it's, it's a lot of unfinished business that we have um, left to do in Winnipeg. I want to leave a legacy there. It's been 25 plus years since they won a Great Cup. I want to be a part of that. So hopefully, bring a great, great Cup to um, Winnipeg. So it'll be a good legacy to have. That's Stanley Bryant following his. CFL award and of course being a free agent people wondering when we come back Solomon Elamimian former CFL MOP and what he sees from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers it's CFL 60 you are listening live on TSN 1290 
CFL 60, brought to you by FundingChange.ca, continues on TSN 1290 and TSN1290.ca. Welcome back inside CFL 60. We are live on TSN 1290. Hustler, Rick Ralph, myself, we were on Radio Row live in Ottawa last week ahead of Grey Cup 105. Chance to sit down and talk with a lot of current players and former as well. One of them being 2014 CFL Most Outstanding Player, Solomon Elamimian, former teammate of Andrew Harris. And what he sees, some very interesting comments, in the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The biggest thing I see from Winnipeg is that belief. You know, that belief with Andrew Harris and Matt Nichols. And, you know, on paper, they don't have, you know, I'm sure they'll argue it's not true. But they don't have, you know, the players that I feel like we have on paper. But one thing that they do play is they play with a sense of belief. They play with a sense of pride. Um, that old line, they have some grit to them. You know, playing it, playing linebacker, playing against that old line, they have some nasty to them. They have some grit to them. So, you know, whenever you play them, you got to come with your hard hat, man, because – they're ready to grind it out and you know they play four quarters michael shea he's one of the um, best coaches that keeps you off balance you know the stuff that he has us prepare for in practice that it's like man you sure they're going to do that well they've done it in the past so we better be awake for us. so um he keeps you off the toes and they just have a sense of belief that they're going to go into every game any environment and um and win and that crowd the momentum they got, um, they have this season. It's 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 really remarkable. That whole city is behind them, and it's good to see for the for that organization. It says a lot when a former CFL MOP sees something like Solomon Elamimian does in the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Saul is a very, very insightful dude. That will do it for us on CFL 60. Big ups to my man Sean Asor, who always does a great job here on the ones and twos at the TSN 1290 headquarters. Chris Curry, always filling in, doing a great job helping out as well. And a big thank you to our main sponsor, Funding Change, the new old way to fundraise. Check them out fundingchange.ca big thanks to Justin Dunk and all of my guests tonight as we caught up with them at Grey Cup 105 in Ottawa this season has flown by thank you listeners for tuning in it's been a great year here on CFL 60 my name is Darren Bombing enjoy the off season we'll see you next year right here on CFL 60 on TSN 1290